0: t <laughs> t
1: good evening good people we're recording this in the evening later than usual but it's all right we're here and uh, oh it's been a long time so you are listening to another episode of music and we i am jamila
2: and i am jesse wow it's been a long time long time it's been a long it's been time long. Said, it's been a long time for me so go slow and take it easy
1: there you go. It's been a long time. We didn't leave you without a dope episode to listen to because we have other episodes and we actually have a few more episodes on Backtrack. So those will be the uh, classic episodes, if you will. <laughs> more classic episodes that will be uploaded uh, sooner than later, hopefully. But I just found out from Jesse, and Jesse's always surprising me. <laughs> That Stevie Wonder is getting kidney surgery. I really didn't know that. I had to look it up. He says, Oh my goodness. He says, So what's going to happen is this I'm going to have surgery. I'm going to have a kidney transplant in September of this year, 2019. I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm all good. I have a donor. It's all good. I want you to know I came here to give you my love and to thank you for your love. You ain't got to hear no rumors about nothing. I told you what's up. I'm good. All right. So he says this at Hyde Park in uh, London. And uh, so, yeah, it's official. Stevie Wonder needs a kidney. And
2: he has a donor. So that's a wonderful thing. Wow. What? Up for Stevie so that all goes well, because we all know that if Stevie leaves.
1: The world is just.
2: <laughs> the world is like uh, music. The music world as we knew it is no longer because wow. it just would totally.
1: Can, can you imagine Stevie Wonder is at everybody's homegoing ceremony or memorial? All
2: so right.
1: Stevie Wonder's homegoing ceremony or memorial. It's gonna be. Twi- it's gonna be what Aretha's was eight or nine hours. His is gonna be
2: a day. <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be like it's going to extend into it's going to be 72 hours. <laughs> right,
2: 3 days. It's
1: going to be paid for viewers.
2: So <laughs> I mean yeah. Stevie Wonder not being here anymore that would just change the face of music completely. So. Wow. Yeah,
1: and I, I I definitely don't agree with his political views, but you cannot deny the man <laughs> is brilliant musically. He mm-hmm. given us so many. What I from. I'm gonna say, "Signs Till Delivered" to "A Time to Love." He has yeah. that album.
2: Amazing, amazing.
1: And that's a long run to not have one bad album. Even what? "The Woman in Red," I would say that's his worst album. But the songs individually. Yeah, the parts are better than the sum, but even the way the songs are arranged are still good. So I wouldn't
0: be—that's
2: terrible. See, wonder it doesn't have a bad album. I mean, I'm of the opinion you might not think, like you said, the sum is better than this parts, but overall, mm-hmm. the way he's able to compose music and the, what his ear is able, what his ear is capable of um, hearing is just, yeah, you can't deny timeless yes. grooves. Really, what are you talking about? uptights, Everything out of sight, so many moods and textures. Oh, I love (laughs) Stevie.
1: I've seen him live
2: three times, Ah, and I haven't seen Stevie live yet. So, (laughs) I I know I need to hurry. I would be heartbroken to not see Stevie.
1: Yeah, all three times I've seen him have been great shows, and um,
2: oh. Wow. I'm sure when I see Stevie Wonder live, I'm going to cry because his music, it's so phenomenal, wonderful, really, truly. If nobody (laughs) says stay gold pony boy, if
1: he has a social media, if nobody says stay gold pony boy during his operation, I'm going to be like, come on, people. Oh my goodness. And there's been so many people who have passed, I can't even think of them right now in the time that we <laughs> haven't done a podcast. But Steve the Stevie Wonder News just kinda bowled me over. So we'll just we'll just go there and say, you know, definitely prayers for Stevie, uh, prayers for his kid his ten kids. He has ten kids. He is currently engaged or married, possibly. I don't know what the status is right now. I know he was getting married. So just prayers for everyone. Mama Lula is smiling upon him, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, wow, you you always know how to give me that news, Jesse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that came after conversation of this, what we were talking about before we did this podcast. I mean, so much has happened that we're really stunned in terms of just the deliveries of the recent news regarding Michael Jackson and just what's going on in the political world and the Prince world. I mean, it's been a long time um, and we're not gonna be able to just catch up on everything, but there's absolutely a lot to hit from. So where do you wanna start?
1: (laughs) Donald Trump
2: saying he's the second coming of Christ.
0: And
2: he the said that? Israel. Whoa, I did not hear that. <laughs> Donald Trump said he was a second
1: the coming of Christ. Christ and the King of Israel. So to me, the world, wow. is, the world is ending because I, it says... Wait a
2: minute, wow. now you blew my mind for a second. Oh, Hold I,
1: on. I finally blew your mind. Huh? Wow,
2: especially since I have been learning about the Jewish connection, Israel specifically, and America and their relationship and just yeah. what it's in the Palestine, That's like I've been a long such a- relationship, yeah Yeah. so, wow oh, boss. shots fired, okay
1: and so what, what book is that, the book of Timothy I know you are more of a biblical scholar than I am, Timothy. but it, it just says that people will be lovers of themselves, basically the description of narcissism right. is in that verse and- <laughs> uh oh
2: uh oh Wait a minute, Uh, you're blowing my mind for a second. There are a lot of things happening right now in my mind as I think about this. Let's see.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go more specific into it. So (laughs) this was related to what's going on, the relationship in China and everything. And so specifically about Trump, (laughs) even though, yes, he is a narcissist, he quoted a radio host who said Jewish people, they liked Trump, they admired him so greatly, it was as if he was the king of Israel. So I think him quoting that is him believing in so, on some level that he's as great as he thinks he is.
2: <laughs> well, it was something I, he said recently that I remember just having a huge, wow moment. Not that it surprised me, but it did still surprise me because he was speaking about how Representative Vian Omar, yeah, he was saying, he said, oh, she just hates Jewish people. And he said, any Jew who doesn't vote for the Republican Party is not even worthy of being called a Jew or something like that. It was just something incredibly ridiculous. Like, you can't be a Jew and be a Democrat or, I mean, obviously, all of these terms are just semantics and nothing but the fact that he went that far to be like this praise and reverence for jewish ideology to the point where it almost it does completely justify just the killings in palestine and all of it and the unsettlement like it's just amazing how bold like you cannot say anything against it the moment you do they come from your head they take your check they take your job they say you're banned from the country i mean and how
1: how exactly is that democracy? Because Israel claims to be the only democracy in the, quote, Middle East, and the U.S. claims to be a democracy. If you take any basics of its class, it's very clear the U.S. is a republic and not a democracy. But that's a whole other conversation. When people say Jews, they're talking about Eastern European, a.k.a. white people. They're not talking about the Ethiopians who put on deeper shots to prevent them from having kids. Uh, They're not talking about the Ethiopians that are put on the front line of the military and have a bigger potentiality of being shot. Uh, They're not talking about folks being put at checkpoints, uh, folks who are Arab who may be uh, Jewish. They're not talking about those people. They're talking about folks who are of European descent. And when they say Jews, because when I say the Jews own Hollywood, I always say, I don't see any Ethiopians at the table making decisions, so what Jews are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about? No, that's what I'm asking, be very clear. And we have to understand there's a difference between Zionism, which is a political identity, and Judaism, which is a spiritual practice. You could say that it is also blood lineage, which is why Ethiopians were able to come to Israel based on their lineage. But to say that the Jews all in Hollywood, you're talking about um, Ashkenazi Jews. You're not talking about Sephardic. You're not talking about Mizrahi Jews. You're not talking about Beta Israel. Let's just keep that real. And we have to stop generalizing the word Jews because uh, all Jewish people are not monolithic and I personally the Jewish people I know do not support Zionism so to say that all Jews think alike and when Donald Trump says if you're against Israel you hate Jews then that would mean the Jewish people who support Zionism hate themselves and I remember listening to Alan Combs when he was more I guess liberal this was many many years ago growing up in new york and before he moved to fox news he used to always critique the israeli government all these callers came in and said you're a bad jew you're a bad jew he says what's wrong with actually questioning policy and that's pretty much what he was that would be his response on that. what's wrong with questioning policy and if you are a democratic state a critique of government policy is part of democratic practice, so they say. And if U.S. tax dollars are being used to fund Israel, $3 billion a year, <laughs> I would think, under right. democracy, it would be within the right of taxpayers to question what is happening. But no, to say that congresswomen, who I don't particularly agree with all their politics, and I know... Uh, Some of them have actually supported funding Israel. So to say because you're questioning a government and and their policies that they are thereby banned because they support the boycott, divestments and sanctions movement. Mm, Now you're teetering towards fascism. And for Donald Trump to also go to shell workers and... You can study the history of Shell and in Nigeria. <sighs> but to go to Shell workers and talk about how, yes, it was me who got you all these jobs when that was actually starting prior to Trump's term. So it was under Obama you started getting these moves to get people these jobs, even though you already know how I feel about Obama. But let's keep it real. <laughs> so, let's keep it real. So he's talking about, yes, the Trump administration started all of this, and he's using his appearance to campaign. And so we are merging towards fascism if you are telling people to campaign. So you're merging corporation with the political sphere. And there's actually a note where the workers are saying, well, you don't have to clock in for this. It's not mandatory. However, but if you if you do clock in, you're going to be standing here while Trump is here on your lunch break. So don't think about eating. Don't think about wow. uttering anything about injustice. Do not think anything in opposition to what's going on. So how is this democracy? Someone's own democracy. Is hey, nice. That makes sense. <laughs> so
2: it's, uh, Maybe we should ask Jake Taper. He would know.
1: Whoa, <laughs>
2: oh,
1: anyone from cnn msnbc so <laughs> <laughs> so we have to understand that the forces that run cnn also make sure that fox is keeping those divisions as
2: well absolutely and that's what's so interesting like even thinking about sarah moochie you know, like he's a puppet. All of these guys are puppets, puppets.
1: Oh, didn't he? Didn't he leave Scaramucci?
2: Yeah, he left, and now he's like, oh, Trump is just a bad. He he's so mean. He's such a bad guy. It's like so you're mad at him for being a bad guy and for his tweets, but you're not mad about the policy. Like the, the policy is never. It's the same with all of the Democrats for the most part on CNN and just the hosts, the anchors, the whole language is just wrong because it's almost like, oh, we need to be angry about how he's such a mean person, he's such a mean person and oh, no one would ever do this. And the latter, you know, like we said, we already know how we feel about Obama, but it's almost like we forget because Trump is like the bold example of unfiltered jargon. He's not going to really cater to anyone. He doesn't care. He's a narcissist. So his behavior and interaction with the media is just shrugs of shoulders. But the media's response to Trump enables him in such a capacity to be just at a higher level. And it's just the whole thing, just seeing how people react to everything without really understanding the solutions. Like we're not really organizing and that's the answer. Mm You know, I'm always saying, Prince said, you got to organize (laughs) i mean that's the way (laughs) (laughs) i know i know it so let's just see where this is going i mean 2020 is upon us and you know i'm one to believe in numbers i do think numbers signify and reflect coming of ages so to speak you know we're really at a time where most of what's been happening for the last 10 years has happened at such a fast rate with social media, and it's happening a way we couldn't even predict in terms of the technological evolution and how we interact with each other, how we're able to communicate ideas, and what those ideas do to just corporations, how they respond to it, and how we're just looped in this this cycle now of projection. And you know, it helps that you're not on social media. And a good friend of mine just stopped being on social media as well, and You know, last year I took my famous month away from it. And I think I might do that again Mm -hmm. just because every time the more I'm consumed in that, the more we're just reacting. We're not really plotting. It's just like, (gasps) oh, how sad. And then it's something else happens in consciousness and we forget about it. And I think there's just something to be said about using your time in spaces that bring joy like with you recently with jiu-jitsu and me with sewing more and reading more and doing all this other stuff that's creative uh, brings a better process, I think.
1: I'm just going to read the direct quote from Donald J. Trump's uh, Twitter entry here. So the person who talked about the Jewish people in Israel, they like Trump. So his name is Wayne Allen Root. He's a radio host. And (laughs) talks about, uh, they, and it cuts off. He said they, they love him like he is the second coming of God, like he's the king of Israel. But Americans don't know him or like him. They don't even know what they're doing or saying anymore. It makes no sense. But that's okay. If he keeps doing what he's doing, he's good for it, dot, dot, dot. And Donald Trump's response is, thank you to Wayne Allen Root for the very nice words. President Trump is the greatest president for Jews and for Israel in the history of the world, not just America. Wow. He is the best president for Israel in the history of the world, and the Jewish people in Israel love him. Oh. Like he's the
2: king of Israel. So, yeah.
1: It was two separate things.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, what I want to say real quick, not to go down this rabbit hole, but <laughs> I know a lot of Christians, okay? <laughs> and many of them are silent to the point where it's like, it's, it hurts. It's like, what you're saying? You're not saying anything about this. They almost feel like it falls in line with biblical prophecy. Right. Right. And I watched a documentary called The Family, which sort of explained the National Prayer Breakfast and the origin of that and a lot of other details involving conservative, you know, white Christendom, specifically in America. And all of the connections and the ways the church has actively played a role in shaping societal norms and some of the policies that we see, especially in southern states. Not paying taxes for one of them. One of them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's another rabbit hole. <laughs>
1: With the increase of uh, applications where you use your fingerprints for many things. Um, now you can take pictures of your eye and just so many things. And people say, oh, that's easy. It makes life uh, more convenient there needs to be an understanding that all of this convenience is getting your information.
2: It's
1: trying to get some of your DNA. It is definitely the matrix. So we have to be careful about what we put our names on, what we put our fingerprints on, what we take pictures of, um, because that was the whole thing with Facebook as well, because they had a connection or a, Collaboration with the one Israeli (laughs) company about uh, about, um, the facial recognition. So, I mean, all of these things are, oh, you can just press a button and your whole bank account comes up. Why would you want to do that? I I don't understand why people get convenience as being freedom. And, And to me, case like this convenience is a trap because (laughs) now all of your information is at the drop of a hat but now it's being data mined it's being watched over it's bad enough we have the social security numbers and bursted we're already watched enough as it is but now people want to have these fingerprints on their phones and they want uh, smartphones called smartphone or Android for coincidence. <laughs> Android means part machine, part human. And look what's happening. People are never taking their eyes off these devices. They're crossing the street, eyes glued head down to these devices. People are not paying attention to the world around them anymore. And the name Android is uh, is applicable in this case because people are attached to these devices and then iphone i this i that so now it's me 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 and then Android. so we really have to understand where these names come from and their purpose and how they mess with our dopamine levels and i'm not saying oh don't obviously we both have these devices (laughs) clearly but you can't let it take over your life to the point where you're no longer communicating with people where you're no longer paying attention to your surroundings where you just close yourself off to the world and you don't even enjoy concerts anymore you don't enjoy just going out and hanging out with people because both of you have your head in your laptops or your phone so we really need to get back to the situation where we enjoy each other as humans. And I've seen all of these statistics, all of these studies where they say younger generations feel the loneliest ever. And it's because of the connection to all of all social of media, all of the modern technology. So we have to take the a
2: break. It's from- going up. Yeah. yeah. It's going up. A lot of these isolation, you know, yeah, it's just getting bad. It's
1: getting bad. Yeah. We have to take a break and get back to our humanity. It's really important. So d- don't be an android. Don't be an android. The the best movie I've seen about androids is RoboCop, but that was satirical. Don't let that be real life.
0: <laughs>
1: don't let it be real life. Let's stay with humanity. The world's already ending. We don't need we don't need the Matrix to totally take over. Let's be Neo.
2: The thing. Right, exactly. We don't need this. <laughs> Which, by the way, this is also going to blow your mind, just like it blew mine when I read it. They're working on The Matrix 4. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But Kanu Ruiz and Trinity, I say Trinity because I don't remember her real name. <laughs> but, yeah, they're working on The Matrix 4. It's going to be the same director.
1: Mm-hmm. Just,
2: oh, the Wachowski sisters? Sisters, yes. So I'm curious to see how this will be. I'm not going to just dog it because... Now, they did mess up the revolutions. So I ain't going to lie on that. They should have never did the third one. I mean... I'm I think only seen the, kind of, the first
1: one, so I don't
2: even know. <laughs> but good. Well, the first one is pretty much the ultimate one. The second one is okay, but they really didn't do a good job on the third one. So that's just my opinion, you Matrix heads out there, because I know... That's one of my favorite movies.
1: I also saw they were making a Terminator 4. So they're making... They're awesome. making everything new again.
2: I think technology has soiled the idea of just things that were made before. Like, I don't see what's the point in remaking all this stuff. I don't actually like that trend.
1: It's definitely the brand recognition. Look at Disney remaking yeah, all these absolutely. pieces. It's a live action. So it's... Uh, it's sort of like the Muppets in a and Interesting enough. Disney owns the Muppets now. Uh,
0: oh, my gosh. Right
1: before, nice. right before Jim Henson passed, he made a deal with Disney. So, I can't say that... Oh, after he left, he did No, he
0: actually...
1: Okay. Like, he a little right. bit before he passed, he made deals where they had the rights to the, the Muppet shows and stuff like that in the movies.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. But he's still... He's still had some influence there but then he passed and now we look at him. <laughs> but the funny thing about that with the little mermaid and what's the other one oh the lion king the lion. i am one of the few people who have not seen either one y'all can make fun of me here but, <laughs> but i find it interesting that all these people are cheering And it goes with race nationalism and cultural nationalism. The original story to The Little Mermaid is that she's losing her identity for a man. Why would we wanna celebrate a story about that where the people in her community are like, if you so much as do that, you're gonna have pain in your legs. So she experienced a lot of pain. Then we have in the animated one, of course, I've seen some of the clips. So we have a guy talking in a weird Caribbean accent. (laughs) It's just, it's such a joke. It's just, oh my goodness. And we're okay with that. Um, But the story is still a woman losing herself for a man. But because of someone African who is the lead, we're okay with that. I think we need to look at things dialectically. Uh, I'm not saying don't go watch the Little Mermaid. Uh, I'm not, clearly not saying that, but it, it's important to think about the context of things. In terms of the Lion King, it's still very much this idea that Africa is all plains and deserts. and it, you know, I mean, that's still what Middle America looks at as Africa and Disney is not particularly hoping <laughs> when they're perpetuating that that image. Um, and so now, because we happen to be in it, it's okay. I just feel some kind of way about that. Again, I'm not saying that no one should see The Lion King. It's, that doesn't make any sense for me to say that. But we should really think about any movie that is funded by Disney or any of these Hollywood companies, they're not doing anything revolutionary in terms of the African experience. They're not promoting liberation at all. And sure, they have Beyonce, sure they have all of these other Africans, but again it's just this cultural representation and it's in many cases, in my view, being based off the popularity of Black Panther. So it's it's not as if they're going, yay, we want to support uh, they, the black vest in France who are fighting for the liberation. I know people are talking about the yellow vest against this austerity, but they're a black vest in France fighting uh, for fair workers' treatment, etc. So we need to look at all of that. Disney's. doesn't care about that (laughs) Disney doesn't care that the Oppenheimers still own the diamond industry so it is possible to think about different subjects at one time that's fine but don't think just because we're up in this piece and the illusion of this table is there that it's really about liberation even with Beyonce I know there's Beyonce fans out there uh, it's too bad that I had to reiterate this. I'm not saying Beyonce's horrible, don't listen to Beyonce. It's important to understand the context around her as well. We didn't see any of this from Beyonce until Black Panther, the popularity of Black Panther, or even BLM. I think it's important to ask of these artists, not saying, oh, you know, they have this platform and we should totally look to them for everything. But if they are presenting particular images, I think it's important to ask them what the purpose is and to expect more out of them. Like, If you're going to give these images, what what are you doing in terms of our liberation?
2: No, absolutely. I stand with you in that regard. Of course, with Beyonce fans, she's among The celebrities that have a huge following. And so of course, there's a lot of justification that people might offer her. But yeah, this thing is is way more layered than a lot of people want to say. You like to stay at the surface, but you got to go far more deeper. You want to really get to where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's just been like, I would say right now, the world, as we think of just the entertainment and what people are consuming and what they enjoy, what they're taking in as good media or just media overall, going again to get into what we said about Stevie Wonder, I mean, there's not a lot of people doing it, like really doing it. I mean, because it's a lot of, like, I guess what I'm saying is I'm thinking of a conversation with Jay-Z and the NFL and even Beyonce or just what people think (laughs) of people with money, with billionaires, Mm -hmm. and just sort of the glory and joy we receive out of millionaires and billionaires being successful. It's almost like we praise that. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Not that you should hate it, but I'm not understanding it the levels we go to justify and defend those with that kind of access to wealth over someone who's really trying to fight for some form of justice for the people.
1: Right. And, And I feel like the rationalization for supporting celebrities is because they have the platform and they're able to get solutions faster for us regular people. Uh, it's going to take forever to do that. And you're talking about organizing. That's going to take forever. And I want to say this quote from el Malik Al shabazz also known as Malcolm X. So it talks about when white people come into power. It says, quote, he takes all the Negro leaders and invites them for coffee to show that he's all right. And those Uncle Toms can't pass up the coffee. They come away from the coffee table telling you and me that this man is all right. He also says, comedians, comments, trumpet players, baseball players, show me in the white community where a comedian is a white leader. Show me in the white community where a singer is a white leader or a dancer or a trumpet player is a white leader. These aren't leaders. These are puppets and clowns that have been set up over the black community by the white community and have been made celebrities and usually they say exactly what they know the white man wants to hear. And this is, in my view, what we're seeing with uh, Jay-Z, Sean Conner, the NFL situation, and Beyoncé, because for me to look at Beyoncé as doing anything revolutionary, she has to commit class suicide. So, yes. It's kind of (laughs) bells and whistles at this point. Yes, she's doing a lot of the cultural stuff, but it's still within the confines of quote-unquote white acceptance. People are still dancing to her music. People, again, outright racist may be like, we're going to protest Beyonce and the cops say, oh, when she performs, we're not going to do it. But ultimately, those people do not have systemic power. The people who are signing her checks, (laughs) that's a different story. When Beyonce talks about brown-skinned women and she has uh, darker-hued women in her video and she mentions some sisters who are darker-hued in her music, well, ultimately, she's still up front. There's still a hierarchy there. She still has the long, blondish hair. And she's lighter than the sisters behind her. If she really was about that life, why not be like Janet Jackson or other sisters who step aside? And that's what I do appreciate about the Made for Now video. Even though I'm not saying Janet Jackson's revolutionary, not by any stretch. (laughs) But I appreciate what Janet did where she was there, but... A huge portion of the video she wasn't. She stepped aside and let folks get some light. And even in her concert, she does that. So she steps aside and lets folks get light. And I know Beyonce does this as well. But when talking about the hue hierarchy, which she was in the specific song, she's still there. So when it came to the Super Bowl performance, she's still there in front. And sisters with a darker hue are in back of her with froze, where she's got straighter, blonder hair. There's still that hierarchy you have to acknowledge. And it can be unspoken. It can be spoken behind the scenes. But it's important, even if you love somebody, to understand those contradictions, to understand those hierarchies. And very few... Beyonce fans or stands or beehive people I've seen do that. There are some, but it is very rare. And I appreciate the folks who are in the fan community who do that, and they do it with love, I suppose. But you don't see it a lot, and any critique you have, that person's attacked. And there were folks in New Orleans who had a critique for Beyonce when she did Lemonade. And those people who live in New Orleans were attacked by the Beyonce fans. And you're from New Orleans. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. So yeah. how, how can you, somebody who's from New Orleans and said, hey, she came and went and what's up? And she didn't really shed any light on any artists here. Like, there were some real critiques, not even just about not her not highlighting artists, but just the economic impact after Katrina just she just came and made videos and let like people were like what's up Beyonce and those people were getting death threats and it's like really is that really necessary why are you attacking people who experienced her being there <laughs> it doesn't make sense right. we, we give these people way too much power and we don't involve ourselves in our liberation we depend on these people to do it for us we depend on these movies to do it for us we depend on popular culture to do it for us as opposed to using popular culture as an example and the best popular culture if you will uh, the one that speaks to particular issues or i should say art in general the best art is gonna critique society, it's gonna critique the status quo, it's gonna critique the systems of oppression, but you see that increasingly less where it's promoting these ideas of oppression, it's promoting the ideas that these executives sit at the table and tell you to put out there in the public scheme because it's making them money. Oh, if you make a song about African liberation is not going to make us money. You're not going to be on the radio. You're not going to be number one. So let's just make this other song about killing people. Well, you know, I mean, I know you don't mean it, but you know, it, it, we'll all make money together. Mm. So it's important to question your faves. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and that's what
2: we is, aim to do with this podcast. That's right. You know, I'm a huge Michael Jackson and Prince listener. You know, I enjoy their music. I, <laughs> I see you. You see me? You saw how I did that. I did. <laughs> but I do. I listen to them very often. And I enjoy their music. I enjoy the stories and the production and just kind of the, the measure of energy I get from it, which is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, you know, just... I wanted to talk about this briefly. I mean, it's just something thinking, looking back at just some of the recent updates with the Michael Jackson documentary, or oh. documentary, whatever you want to call it. Movie. <laughs> movie um, it was like that totally brought a lot of change within the online community. So when you think of you know, every celebrity has like a fan community online. You know, there's the Rihanna people, the Navy, and then there's the Beehive for Beyonce and it's the Prince Army. And there's the MJ Moonwalkers, whatever they want to call themselves. Is there called
1: Prince Army?
2: Well, I'm just, they're, they're, oh, okay. you know, there are probably other names from Rainbow Children, whatever you want, Purple People, whatever, you know, <laughs> just saying there's like a name for them. And they're the reflection of what the fan base think. You know, usually they're a bit exaggerated in terms of how they defend the artists. Not all the time. I think there are differences. And some would argue, you know, against to what I'm saying. Some would say that the Michael community is a bit more non-negotiable than, say, the Prince community. And some would say the Prince community is a bit more (laughs) nonchalant, but they're a bit serious. And they can be, there are arguments people use all the time. Right. To just justify or condemn or praise each artist, so when we talk about an artist in their personal lives, the things that they did outside of his music, you know, the makeup of what their daily lives look like, and we think of the accusations and we think of the perceptions and how the artist responded to those things, like Michael Jackson at the height of his fame, which was pretty much his whole life I would well firstly, do you think Michael? Throughout his life, where would you say was his most prominent? In like, in terms of how much people talked about him, how the culture, re- you know, reacted to him. What year would you say? Would you say would be in the 90s, 80s, and did it dwindle into what capacity? 1982
1: to 1984 was the height of when people talked about Michael Jackson globally.
2: Okay, 82
1: through 84. That's thriller yeah thriller of course and then bad it still was up there but people started calling him weird because the cover of thriller <laughs> was vastly different from the cover of bad so people started you know kind of putting their eyebrow up going what's up with you dude?" so i would say thriller was the height of conversation around michael jackson talking about his power as a performer talking about his vocals talking about cultural influence talking about all of those things in combination and after bad was when you really had a concentration of the fan base i think with remember the time people go oh michael's back people, you know, they were like bad? i don't know like what's he doing and then he didn't remember the time I can't let her get away. People are like, okay, New Jack, might we see you? There <laughs> particular sections of different communities that talked about Michael, but it wasn't global
2: like thriller. Okay. So there were segments, but not as global as thriller. So, anyway, when it came to be, when the whole, you know, the allegations, the trial, all of that. Let's just go to 2009 or 2005, rather. Let's just skip for a couple of years and go to 2005 and look at what happened when the trial was finished and Michael was declared innocent. Mm -hmm. That was a wake-up call to such a capacity that he wasn't really even in America. You know, he was traveling the world. He was doing his thing. He was around his children instead of any other children.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But at that point, Still, what people perceived about him seemed to be sort of like ah, he's kind of weird. <laughs> he still, they, he was still the subject of jokes. You yeah. know, he was still ridiculed. So when you look at his passing, and then what happened is the industry changed their mind, and everybody was like, oh, he was amazing, and oh, some, you know, it was almost like when he passed away, people forgot all of the things they said, which happens often. Revisionism, death and revisionism, it happens. But I think now, with this new documentary, the energies that have come to be in light of what the community says online, Michael Jackson community, and just what spectators say, people who really didn't know much about Michael Jackson from the beginning, because there's still people who don't. I mean, Michael Jackson, by far, is one of the most famous people in the world, but still there are people who didn't know much about him outside of the albums or whatever, Right. what they come to understand are a series of things. And I think the fans' reaction to Michael Jackson right now, here's what I'm saying. Do you believe the fans reaction to Michael Jackson's you know, this movie and the whole thing that happened, do you think it's helping or is it sort of making it harder for people to really get the whole the whole thing?
1: It's definitely hindering it and I don't know if it's necessarily making it harder because people are making their decisions regarding this movie depending on how they already felt about him there's a minority of people who have their minds changed based on watching the movie but overall if you love Michael and you're a fan you already have your mindset he didn't do it he didn't regardless of whether or not you peek through all the evidence if you love Michael he's he's sent to you People who don't like him for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, he did it, he's weird. Of course that movie's true. So that really is that delineating line, uh, again, besides the minority of people. However, anyone who was on the fence, and from my vantage point, that's very few people. The fan base is not helping at all. It's really... uh,
2: his family changed
1: as well. Oh, Tajia. Yeah. So it's, yeah, g- g- comparing him to Jesus Christ. Yeah, I would say that's hindering. But, <laughs> but the fan base, I'm not seeing a lot of people just say, you know what? You just read the transcripts. Here you go. It It's all of these talking points and screaming over people and saying, you're just a hater why he didn't do anything he said he loved children he didn't have a childhood this is all of your talking points that Michael Jackson gave when he was here as opposed to looking at evidence for yourself and I at this point honestly believe that a lot of the fans haven't even looked at the evidence yeah, a lot of people like you You see numbers of people who really poured into research like Joe Vogel. Uh, there are people who do it on their own time. I did it when I was writing a book around my it wasn't about him. It was about how he was a catalyst for my healing. But I poured in a lot of research, a lot of time, and a lot of energy reading these transcripts around the trials and the cases. So that's how I. Saw for myself, yeah, I saw no sufficient evidence. But there's a new wave of Michael Jackson fans who may not have poured through that evidence and, based on how they feel about him, have declared his innocence. And I do think that's hindering because pedophilia is a serious thing to not take lightly. It's a thing you do need to. hours into research over especially if it's someone you feel passionate about because say you say he didn't do it 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 it." I come to find out you're like okay one day I'm gonna actually do some research on this and you found out that there was evidence and what would you say (laughs) you have to do your homework first and not make declarative statements on someone's innocence until you have some evidence pertaining to that. And again, there are people who have poured into research. I think the older fans have for sure, because a lot of those fans were there during the trial. They were physically there in Santa Barbara. They were there with their signs. Those people are dedicated to this day, but they were throughout the trial, 1993, all of the cases, all the news stories, They kept up on it, but you can tell who has not. And they just say, well, emotionally, I'm connected to Michael Jackson. I No, I didn't read any kind of evidence, but I know. No, that's damaging. And it's, again, putting your faith in someone you don't even physically know and who's not even here. So to answer your question after 20 minutes, (laughs) I think uh, what they are doing is hindering to any sort of cause they are dedicated to in terms of Michael Jackson.
2: Yeah, and I think what I've seen recently online, whenever Michael Jackson shows up on my timeline on Twitter, it's always the same sort of reaction or the same sort of statement, which is that, oh, Michael was so innocent. How could anyone do this? Michael, oh, look at what he did for the world. Look at him. We don't deserve him. We truly don't deserve him. And it's like that has become... A pest. I can honestly say that annoys me because it's sort of like, why are you going out of your way to talk about how perfect you presume him to be? This isn't even about his talent anymore. It's not even about his gift and the things that he actually did change in the industry. Like the reasons I love Michael Jackson go far beyond the awards he won. But if you talk to a modern fan, it's like they always want to just go down your throat how successful he was and how big he was and how beyond he was which truly he was, he was he was he was truly beyond he was truly big he was truly all of these things but if that's the only thing you can mention whenever you talk about Michael Jackson if that's the only point that's the only angle you can come at it from at some point it feels like you don't really care about what happened to him or just the story of his life because when you look at Michael's like From a historic point of view, I mean, just like you said about doing your history, when I had to read up about Michael Jackson, and he was my first sort of case study into like human beings outside of like historical figures of you know from civil rights and stuff. I never really knew much about entertainers. Michael Jackson, I read about him, and I was like, wow, just the the amount of trauma he endured, and just his reaction to that trauma, and just seeing how he navigated all of those different things. Michael Jackson truly lived a very complex life, you know, and I think when you look at just some of the things that he, he, that happened to him, not that it's different from anybody because, you know, there are a lot of people who live the life that he lived, but the way he responded to it, the way he, the choices he made as he grew older, it's just interesting and it sort of explains a lot of his behavior. But I think, seeing how people react to Michael now, just this, and this is also due to Michael Jackson, because (laughs) when he made trailers, and when, you know, you look at the history trailer, I dare anyone to watch that. I remember when I watched it recently, or whenever that was, a couple of months ago, it blew me away. I was like, this is amazing. Not amazing because it was simply amazing, but it was like, he literally, made this in dedication to himself. This is to him. And this is how people are gonna look. When people look at that now, they're gonna think, Wow, he really thought he was the king. He was the he was
1: he really thought. He really thought (laughs) he really thought. He really thought he was was the the king. Oh no,
2: no Yeah. Oh
0: (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, having a ginormous statue of yourself in the Thames River, that's, that can be seen as a bit narcissistic,
2: sure. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I can look at that a different, a host of different ways, but I just think the way Michael looked at himself over time, the way he, just the pictures, just the portraits, just the, the, the whole aspect of royalty.
0: Right. Right.
2: You know, how he perceived himself, what he wanted to say, and just how the fans have taken all of those. They've taken all of those things and they've made Michael now into this edifice that can't be touched for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't really come at him because he was innocent. He was innocent. (laughs) He was innocent. (laughs) You know, it's like no valid criticism is even able to stand because it's like no you can't really say that because you know he <laughs> it's like at what point do we say michael was crazy sometimes like he, that dude <laughs> literally made his objectives known and he you know he, he wasn't necessarily as mysterious as people like to make him he was very private he didn't really speak about his ideas and his opinions I mean, indirectly he would, but he didn't necessarily go out of his way to tell you. We didn't. We really don't know anything about him outside of the things that were captured, which were few in between. But from what we can still see from what is captured, <laughs> and we had a moment. Me and Jamila laughed. Well, I was the main one laughing. She was the one just saying all of this stuff, Talk about how Michael Jackson, there's a clip going around <laughs> of Michael Jackson <laughs> in the car. Uh- <laughs> oh, it just captures perfectly.
0: I'm
1: serious. Like how he <laughs> he getting ready to beat through his ass, and people know no, he
0: wasn't. Like watching
1: the same clip that they had on the BBC because he was getting ready to get out of that car, and Janet stopped him. That's the same clip I saw that y'all saw. So. I... I don't know why people continue to fantasize him, which is exactly what's happening. They want to keep him in this Peter Pan mode, and yet I, I agree with you totally that a lot of that was Michael. And I wouldn't say he was crazy. I would say he was
2: damaged,
1: and so and many I of think,
2: I should say I don't say crazy in the sense that he he totally had a lot of things he didn't recover from and then sometimes his behavior because it was erratic it seemed crazy and it seemed you know like he was just like you can take the baby incident thing or you can look at just his sometimes he would just make these spontaneous decisions and it would it would look sort of out there and I don't mean again maybe crazy isn't the word but it was totally a reflection of oh he's you know there's something else going on here
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was him you know, and again, um merely stating an opinion here. I think it was a result of him never getting any healing from his childhood trauma. And I for so many of us, especially those of us of African descent, a lot of us who grew up in the church, oh, just pray about it, you don't need therapy. And I really do think that was probably in the dynamic. Uh, clearly, I wasn't in that house, but Catherine Jackson is a devout Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I don't know about today, but at that time, she was a just Jehovah's Witness. And so there probably is something that uh, states, you know, you don't necessarily need therapy. That's a man-made thing to get you out of your spirit. That's demonic. I know there are some... Uh, beliefs that do state that so her belief might have been that and it might have caught on to him and also if he were to get therapy that would mean some of that family dynamic would come out and given that the Jacksons were secretive up to a a level that's obviously going to come out but when Michael talked about the abuse and then eventually Janet talked about it and she talked about it in her music <laughs> and, uh, other family members had to and then they pulled back and denied it but it's clear you look at the dynamic with Joe Jackson when he was interviewed by Louis Thoreau well, let's not even get into that guy <laughs> but you know, he he said he beat them all the way to the bank what kind of loving parent would say that I know Joe Jackson is not here but he has lots of evidence to talk about his narcissistic parenting. So we can address that. But what kind of parent would say that? What kind of parent would say, don't call me dad, don't call me father, call me Joe? What kind of parent would beat your child for taking the wrong dance steps? What kind of parent would say you're ugly, you that your mother's nose not mine? Um, and, you know, I grew up like that and I had a lot of healing to do and so I'm also speaking from my own experience and this is one of the reasons I did connect with Michael through our similar childhoods I wasn't necessarily beaten consistently by parents but by my sister so a lot of stuff that Joe Jackson did to his kids my sister did to me and on the emotional end My parents did, so I got it on all ends, and I understand where it's coming from. The difference is I made that choice to say I need to do healing because I can't stay in this framework and live the rest of my life feeling some kind of hatred for people or guilt that it was my fault or something like that. And you see with Michael and Latoya, I feel they had a lot of arrested development because they never got the healing they really did need and I think Janet she seemed to have gotten a lot of the healing and she I feel like she's come out of a lot of the trauma that she experienced yeah with Michael hanging uh, his child over the balcony his need to please people his need to get major validation, the King of Pop thing is major validation, the the ginormous statue, all of that is overcompensating because he didn't necessarily get the validation he needed as a child. So he's making up for lost time. However, that doesn't mean the actions that he took to overcompensate were healthy. There's a lot of nuances as you've talked about. Well we have to understand it's important to get healing and I think had michael jackson done that or had he gone to family therapy had he really had those conversations with himself i don't think you'd be seeing the the, the statue across the Thames. i really don't i think you would have more of a healthy michael jackson and even on some level you can say michael didn't even answer to the fans i think now, after he's gone, I think the the fans got more rabid, if you can say that, because I, during his lifetime, even at the height of his fame, I did not see people saying, I would be true of Michael Jackson. You didn't see any of that. Um, even in the beginning of the popularity of the Internet age, you didn't see that. When Michael was here, and I do think that he would have said, "Y'all, yeah, that's not cool," because you know there were some fans he was he chilled with, and other fans he was like, "I'm not chilling with you." So um, even though he said, "I love my fans," but there was some people he was like, "Uh," Um, "If they went too far, uh, that might be the case with Beyonce as well." I haven't seen her necessarily respond to the rabid fans like that she made one or two statements but she was kind of laughing so I don't know how serious she took it I can't answer that for her I think Michael is very clear it's like I don't want y'all hurting yourselves over me he said that publicly I don't want y'all hurting yourselves over me I don't I don't need any of that thank you for loving me but I I don't need all that uh so after he was gone like he couldn't answer to that so they were like yeah, we're gonna fight for your honor my it's like he's gone he's chilling in another dimension live your lives
0: <laughs>
1: live your life for michael jackson there were people in 2009 that did take their own lives after he was gone do you really think that, that's something michael would want and i'm not even doubting people like this is a whole other story as a person who has been through that not because of michael yeah, you y'all don't take don't take your lives cuz someone you don't know. Don't don't do that. Please get help if you can, find friends, call a hotline, please. Like I've done all of that. Friends, hotlines. I I've done all of that. You know, depression is something you go through for the rest of your life. So this is not yeah, you just heal. No. But I think, you know, over a celebrity, that's oh, I don't know about that. Um, the fan culture has gotten more rabid as social media has gotten more popular. There's Stan Wars, there's all of this. It's not necessary. And we place our value on these celebrities. And Michael Jackson's not here, y'all. Uh, I hope y'all know that. So, <laughs> like, don't be trying to beat people up because they have a different opinion because someone says, well, I think he's guilty, just all, all you can do, it's really simple. Say, hey, have you read the transcripts? Yes or no, that person's gonna say yes or no. I don't need to, and just give it to them anyway. Be like, well, in case you wanna read it one day, here you go. Like, there's no need to go back and forth and have circular arguments with people who are not trying to come to an agreement with you. They're very clear about that. Right? So it, it, it doesn't make sense to ride hard on that level. Just, you know, just mm. enjoy Michael and stop trying to beat people up. It doesn't make it any better when you have these other documentaries or movies. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be a minority on this, <laughs> mm. <laughs> the Lavelle Smith movie or
0: documentary. Well, well,
1: well, I found it entirely problematic because I was anticipating the movie to actually be about LaBelle Smith. I was really excited to hear about his life. So it's like LaBelle Smith has been by Michael Jackson's side for years. He was sort of like, in terms of the choreography, his right hand man. And if he wasn't there, then you had Vincent Patterson or you had Michael Peters or... You know, you had all of these people, but in terms of the tours, Lavelle Smith was there. What I was expecting was, hey, Lavelle Smith, like, how was your life growing up? How did you meet Michael? All of this stuff. The whole movie was, oh, what were your feelings about the trial? What, uh, when June 25th happened, what do you think, what do you think about this? Like, it was nothing about Lavelle Smith. I'm like, why? stop it (laughs) stop it let people live their lives and i understand he probably would have said something about michael but wouldn't it have been more interesting to talk about this person's development from what i see just the energy i got from him i feel like he's practicing buddhism or so i would have loved to hear about that if that's actually the case like what did he go through what about lavelle smith is compelling to us What's compelling to the directors and writers they wanted to interview him? Like, why is it that Michael is so much of a link for these people to interview folks who were in his life that their lives aren't even interesting outside of Michael to these people? Lavelle Smith did not only work with Michael, so you could have asked him about all those other things. And (laughs) I heard another interview where, oh my goodness, (laughs) So it spoke, <laughs> it spoke, oh my goodness. It's just, it's just too many. So, so speak, speaking with Brian Loren,
0: uh-huh. so I was
1: interviewing speaking with Brian Loren and I've known Brian Loren since the 80s. And I was expecting again the interview to talk about his journey, to talk about you when know, he was making music as a teenager, all of this stuff. And then the whole thing is like, okay, yeah, so you did this, that. Okay, so what about Michael Jackson? It's like, you're the <laughs> luminary in the energy industry. And that's all you wanted to skip to?
2: Are you? That's extremely offensive. That shows you the credibility of its, you know, who running it, honestly. I mean Not to go there, but you just, yeah, you can't skip someone's entire work independently to just favor the part that you think is most interesting, like that's that's very offensive
1: and when i uttered that critique it was just like oh we don't want to hear it it was just ignored and you know that's okay i'm not (laughs) mad but i'm still like wow you can't have any critique in relation to michael jackson if he's not perfect to you then your opinion is worthless and that's It's sad that we can't even humanize people. It's sad that these celebrities are more important than our own families, our own friends, ourselves. (laughs) Somebody like me who is into music, who loves music. Here's an opportunity to interview someone who has worked in the industry. Someone who is a multi-instrumentalist, a writer, a producer. You could have asked him production questions. You could have asked him so many things, and you're like, yeah, okay. As if you're looking at your watch. Okay, oh. mm, okay Lavelle. So
0: let's.
1: Let uh, uh, How did you? I I just don't understand it. And as a person who's done radio for 11 years, it frustrates me to no end that you don't capture the essence of that person that you're focused on one subject. And it gets boring after a while. And so I I do appreciate this podcast we're doing because not only does it talk about Michael and Prince, but we do stretch other issues. And I think they're connected in one way or another, but to have a podcast just about Michael Jackson's music and not talk about the socio-political impact of that music to not talk about the context of the music, to not talk about the state he may have been in. And I'm talking about state given like emotional, medical, whatever, as well as he may have been in Arkansas, you know, like, (laughs) but to not look at, address and understand and study all of those contexts, it's going to be a very limited podcast. And it may be good for a while, but... If all you're saying is what are what are our favorite songs from Michael Jackson? He has ultimately a very limited catalog <laughs> because he has 11 albums or 11 records, I should say, and including EPs and remix albums and things like that. Um, if you're doing a show about Prince's music, yeah, okay, yeah, it's gonna be unlimited. But to, to focus a podcast only on Michael's music when he's had 11 officially released pieces of vinyl, I have them all on vinyl, (laughs) or CD or cassette or whatever you have, you can talk about unreleased tracks, demos, you can, but there's only so much you're going to go with that. And I think for me as a listener, it's compelling to listen in regards to the nuances and the context regarding that music. And I feel like a lot more podcasts are doing that and i think it's a really good thing that uh, podcasts are growing because there's there's a lot of podcasts that started out with music it's saying my favorite songs and they're just doing it for fun but understanding the work of content creators are going okay how can i diversify my content while i still love this person i know it's limiting just talking about music so how can i talk about you know, perhaps this is my favorite song and the history behind that and, you know, who worked on it. So you're seeing a lot more podcasts like that, and that makes me happy. And even somebody like Nightchild Ethereal, so who will go through the singles of Prince. And, you know, and they're really quick videos and say, hey, here's where it charted. Little little factoids, I think that's really good in the context of the song, perhaps. But if you're just gonna say this is my favorite song and here, you know, and here's one, it has a good no and and less and less content creators are doing that so yeah. even and I, I think with Michael not being here you don't have a lot to go on <laughs> so so diversifying your content I think is the best thing for people to do if you're gonna continue uh, doing podcasts or blogs or any type of creative endeavor about Michael. Prince, again, he's going to have hundreds of years of music, so there's always going
2: to be something to explore. Yeah. Just you saying that kind of really surprised me in some way, but it's the truth. I mean, the way Prince really kept his legacy alive is his music. Like, Mm -hmm. he got so much music where you'll never be able to listen to it all. Truly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, a lot of stuff, but I mean... Yeah, I would just say... The MJ community and just online overall, the only thing I could offer as I guess an expectation, a hope, would be for us to just realize we can love people, call out their mistakes or marks of whatever, and just get past it. Like it doesn't mean it's the detriment of that artist because they made a decision that wasn't wise or because they said something or believed something that, you know, didn't reflect in the best light. Ultimately we all have to grow but just this exceptionalism of (laughs) how we perceive these people is um that needs to go check that needs we need to check that that's why we're checking it because there's no need to act like everything is a gravy train with biscuit wheels
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I want to
1: ask you because I think this goes along with all this the notion of cancel culture People do think it's this new phenomenon, and it's really not. With Michael Jackson in particular, I haven't seen it so much with Prince, or at all, really. But people like Oprah saying cancel Michael Jackson, or Ellen Degenerate, or uh, just so many people saying, I saw that movie, we need to cancel Michael, we need to ban his music. One question I have is, And then I'll talk a little bit more about the cancel thing. But if there was a huge case in 1993, and it was huge, very huge, why did none of these people who were around, they were old enough to be around in 1993, you didn't hear a lot of that. And granted, some of them weren't in media. But the only people you really heard say, cancel Michael Jackson, were people who already didn't like him. You know, you you did have some radio stations questioning, but it wasn't an outright cancel of his music. Some are like, oh, I don't know. But you didn't see the amount of people promoting canceling Michael Jackson, unless it was, again, a community of people who already weren't into him. And now, because this movie (laughs) somehow... It takes the word of two people who gave sworn testimony and said he didn't do anything. And they didn't even particularly give sufficient evidence in said movie. But suddenly people go cancel Michael Jackson. I'm just not understanding this given the years and years. 2005. I'll even go with 2005. The one person I will say has been fairly consistent about Michael Jackson is Okra. People somehow think she's brand new. She's always been always. one foot against Michael Jackson. Like Her thing is she's using Michael Jackson to exploit and get ratings. So, of course, she's not going to come out and outright say cancel Michael Jackson. But it was very clear when he was here, she would say... I don't know about that dude. Even in front of his face, she's like, I don't know. So, when she's talking to family members or other folks in his community, she was one foot in it. So for people to think she's new on the cancel Michael Jackson gravy train, it's haven't been paying attention. They
2: haven't been paying attention because Oprah <laughs> has always been consistent against Michael, and this, the way she frames all of her questions to him was always suggestive that he could have been guilty or that it was weird or it was just, yeah, she's been clear.
1: <laughs> right. But there's folks like Ellen Degenerate
2: and uh, <laughs> and also uh, um, Cheryl Crow. No, okay.
1: So I'll get into her in a minute. <laughs> but uh, Ellen DeGeneres or Degenerate. (laughs) So she was always gushing about Michael Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. And like Oprah had his kids on her show and everything. And now suddenly this movie comes out. It's people like her who I'm really addressing. So it's sort of these fair weather fans, if you will. And I'm not saying that you have to be so dedicated and not critique Michael. Uh, based on the conversation we just had but to not uh, do any sufficient research and just automatically believe a movie which has so many holes in it and has <laughs> already been proven to have holes in it and people are still not apologizing or backtracking so with Cheryl Crow when Michael was here she didn't necessarily have good things to say about him so again i don't understand why people are thinking this is brand new um she said similar comments when he was here so uh
0: i don't i don't really have a lot to say on that. i
1: mean i they definitely weren't as like, yeah he did it on the level she's saying it now but she's always said he was kind of weird on that tour and people actually in the fan base did critique her back then so this is nothing new for Cheryl Crow. When 2009 hit, yeah, she had good words to say. But when he was here, oh, she said too, oh, he didn't really know me, he didn't talk to me. and Yeah, this is nothing I a new lot of
2: people me. were coming against because at first she said we were really good friends and then she changed it and said, oh, I didn't really know him. So, no,
1: she, she said that in the past, like he didn't really talk to me. and Yeah, she said that in the past.
2: Yeah. I mean, Cheryl Crow is a non-factor. I mean, I think... The reality is (laughs) people right now need to just accept, like you said, Michael is in another dimension. It's been 10 years, truly. And it's amazing it's been that long because I remember it so well. Mm -hmm. It it, it sort of just set off a whole new energy. It's just never been the same since. But what we know is people are going to form their own opinions. We can't really get in the way and sort of be the medium and the advocate I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, Michael didn't do it and to send him the transcripts, which is something I would even do. But now, at this point, I don't even engage in it because it's like, it's not going to change anything. People are going to make up their own minds and ultimately, the truth stands for what it it, is. You know, the truth is ongoing, too. That's the thing. So, as years go on, we're going to just press on and it'll be what it'll be. But, just this whole argument conversation where we're just all disagreeing and not really finding resolve, that just needs to stop. We need to just get clear about our objectives here and love Michael, play Michael, dance, do all of that and forget <laughs> the nonsense. Uh,
1: the, in terms of the cancel culture, your thoughts on cancel culture?
2: Oh, well, essentially cancel culture is... Like you said, it's always been around sort of Um, in different ways. I mean, I feel like now we're not really like Ellen Degenerate. (laughs) She used I'm curious to know what's her reaction going to be for Halloween, because Thriller is such a staple. And I don't see her not playing that song in some way. I could be surprised and be amazed at it and maybe they'll pull something else out. But really, Michael dominates Halloween, no matter how you cut it <laughs> in terms of thriller. You know, that song is always played in some capacity, always. And this will be the first time or you know, I'll just be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they'll do for that. I think when people say, oh, I'm not listening to Michael no more because he's guilty. For those that don't want to take the research, that's on them. It's not an effective means of really getting your point across, especially if you're claiming to be objective about the whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think a lot of people are just reacting to the sensitivity of it. It's not even about whether or not it happened. It's about that. It's a sensitive conversation and is weird. So we're just going to just believe the victim. And yeah. so I think. That happens often. That's kind of what I've seen. But it's not like a lot of people are canceling MJ. Every now and then you'll see somebody say, oh, I saw the documentary and Michael was this and Michael was that. But it's not like the collective conscious is that. I mean, from what I've seen, I don't know, really. I can't say. But it's not necessarily effective if you're not coming. If we can't have a dialogue about it and people can't really make up their own minds, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: it's not really helping in my
1: opinion cancel culture i look at it dialectically because i think it is beneficial in some ways if it's going to make a social point so for instance the bus boycotts that was a aspect in my view of cancel culture so you Mm. got a result out of something because you took action africans were not allowed to be Anywhere they wanted on the bus is the back of the bus. And I always think about. Uh, and I was hanging out with somebody, and he mentions uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Like her, I, I'm gonna say overall the most famous song to a lot of people at "Tisket, A Tasket." And I will never look at that song in the same way, and I can't listen to that song because they. Of course, had footage where you call music videos now. She's sitting. There, she's like on the back of the bus, and I, I just I can't look at that. I can't even think of this. Uh, and so you have 1955. You had a bus boycott, so people couldn't be anywhere on the bus that they wanted. People organized and said yo, Yeah, you know? <laughs> but then you had people prior to 1955 like Claudette Colvin.
2: Who people don't? Yes, know. I'm so glad yeah. to mention her. That's one of my yeah. heroes. I did extensive. Uh-huh. I didn't <laughs>
1: and her her parents were actually Garveyites, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, people don't mention her. She was alone on that, and she was arrested. You had an organized effort eventually, and people got to sit and they went on the bus. But so that was an aspect of cancel culture. So to say cancel culture is this new phenomenon based on the proximity to social media, would not be accurate historically or even in the recent present sense. And you want to say the Boston Tea Party, that was cancel culture, or even the formation of this ridiculous country. Um, you want to cancel the British monarchy, so we're going to go over here and create our own nation. And then we're going to murder a bunch of people in the process. So another aspect of cancel culture, we're going to cancel... Whole people to make, you know, our our plans to call this our country. So to say cancel culture is new would not be accurate. Uh, any amounts of boycotts in particular, which have uh, an objective to alter the situation as it is. It's not always necessary change, but it's an alteration. <laughs> like the bus boycotts, I would consider more of an alteration because you still have incidents once in a while. It wasn't totally outright change uh, where everyone gets their treatment, to this day, in some cities. To say that, oh, because this person made the statement five years ago on social media, let's cancel them. I don't think that's necessarily effective because... It's not a collective effort. It's not an organized effort. So it's not exactly cancel culture because the majority of people are not canceling that person. The majority of people are not holding that person accountable. It's a particular community of people, usually African women, (laughs) to quote unquote cancel or hold uh, problematic men in particular accountable or... um, talking about colorism or something like that. People still uh, sell albums. People still are able to make movies. If it was cancel culture, that person wouldn't even be able to have a job. That person would be stopped was, from...
2: Right. It's not, from not really cancel culture. Money. it still have the means of making money and putting yourself out there. It just means you might be shunned from a particular community, but you can always rebrand yourself and start a new thing and usually become more successful. Like...
1: Exactly. 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 So what happened? You canceled Justin Bieber because he uses the N word and he did this and that or the other, and then he became a born again Christian or something. I don't know.
2: And people, right? Exactly. And it's
0: like, oh, that's so nice.
2: Right.
1: You know, even Kanye West. People are talking about uh, cancel Kanye West because he. Supports Trump or whatever. And then he came out with this church saying people are. So what exactly is is cancel culture in this day and age? It doesn't really mean anything. How valid can you say cancel culture? I I, I don't know how valid it is. I don't know how effective it is to say you're canceling somebody um, because it's so temporary. It's not making outright systemic change. So what exactly does that, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm asking y'all folks who are listening, what exactly does it mean? Is the purpose of cancel culture to actually make systemic changes or is it just some aspect of mobilization where we're focused on this one thing and we don't expect change to happen? I'm really confused about it because cancel culture that has happened in the past is usually Uh, in regards to changing systemic oppression in some way. That's that's what I look at as cancel culture. If we're looking at moments of it. But if you're I'm trying to think of a celebrity that had been canceled. Can you think of any? Just overall. It doesn't even necessarily have to be in this day and age.
2: Um I'm trying to, You know, you actually shook the table there because what really is cancel culture? Because if you're able to rebrand yourself, you're not really canceled, especially if you do a deed that society deems worthy, like becoming a Christian, in just in <laughs> case. Um, who is somebody who's just been dropped? Well, I would say to some effect, R. Kelly. And the reason why I say that is because people been knowing R. Kelly was doing this for years. But... It had never taken that sort of attention like it did with the documentary that was made. Right. I feel like that really shattered his image in so many ways where even people, there's still people who say, oh, I'll listen to him. But they're mm-hmm. not openly saying, I'm going to listen to him. They'll just be like, yeah, R. Kelly is, man. He, he canceled. He's sort of become, and it's interesting that happened with him and not with others. Mm-hmm. Like, could argue that for a lot of different situations but i feel like with him it hit so hard to where people are just like overall i would say he he does feel canceled so to speak yeah he
1: he can't come back from that that's for sure even when uh there was that whole thing when he was trying to go to ethiopia was it mm -hmm. (laughs) he said yeah i'm gonna go to ethiopia And they said, nope, (laughs) no, it It wasn't Ethiopia. It was, I forget. It was maybe in the United Arab Emirates, maybe. And they said, nope. Uh, Wow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm forgetting what country it was. But I would say cancel culture. You could also say through life crew in a way and not cancel culture from fans, but you had the PMRC was going strong at that time. You had C. Dolores Tucker and the steamrolling of rap music. You had uh, all of these elements. So there was a huge court case. They even made a song about it, Banned in the USA. <laughs> so I would say Two Live Crew would actually be part of that um, because they took a huge hit from canceled. So I would say on an even smaller level, Prince. Um, I think he took some hits in some way. But for him, because he had the slave thing, so he wasn't able to get the same amount of work because his was at Warner Brothers. So he wasn't canceled in a traditional way. But I think because of the choices he made, he canceled <laughs> his opportunities to yes. actually
2: yeah. so well, that suffer the there. price for yeah. all the things he did. Truly. Yeah. He totally did. I mean, he was really at a point where he was struggling for a good while. He was doing so much, but he didn't have the capital to sustain it because right. he was doing theater shows.
0: <laughs>
1: Not arena.
2: <laughs> Not arena, exactly. <laughs> and on top of that, he wasn't doing his songs. He was doing songs underneath his name, you know, the symbol right. A lot of people right. wanted to hear the hits and he's like, I ain't doing that no more. <laughs> so. I mean, he was dope. So, and I appreciate that's one of the biggest reasons I, you know, I just admire his life is that he took these extreme stances and he didn't waver on them. And they were so consistent. You know, we talked earlier about him and his belief in God, like God was just so important to him that it didn't matter. He, like, it wasn't negotiable. It wasn't something like the Jehovah's Witness thing. I mean, and surely he said a lot of things that were problematic. I mean, there's a lot of doctrine around that that was very alienating. Um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this because back in 2004, when Prince, you know, had gone on Tavis Smiley with Wendy being invited to perform with him,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: where he wanted her to denounce her homosexuality. Right. And, you know, he even said that she needs to get on Larry King and denounce his denounce her sexuality. And you know she was really hurt by this. She was like, well, I guess it really hurts to lose somebody you really love. Like she was like, well, I'm not going to, you know, socialize with someone who like doesn't believe, you know, I am who I am. And eventually, you know, he invited her on there and it became evident that he was trying to backpedal out of that. But it was still like, dude, like, come on, man. And then he made the quote where he was like, you know, guys saw everyone sticking it everywhere, and he was like, enough. And then there was the burqa comment he made in 2012. I'll never forget that one. It um, In 2011 or 12, he made a comment about how in the Middle East, women don't have choices because they have to wear a burqa. And it was framed in a way where it almost sounded as if he was saying it should... It's a very I, I wish I, I you would have to read the article and really go through it and to, to see the uh, the reasons why it was controversial, because he had to he he ended up sort of apologizing because at first he said it was taking out of context. But if you were to read it when it came out, it was literally implying that he was saying, oh, more, women out here need to be like women in the Middle East, because in the Middle East, they don't have choices of what they're, they're, they're they have to wear.
1: So after let's see. So he had the twins? Right. And Sheila you know. He had uh, Denise Matthews, he had Apollonia Cataro, yeah. So, you know, after all that. And he was a Jehovah's Witness when he had the twins with him. So so he's saying they should also wear burkers. Like, but what are you saying, dude? You need to be careful.
2: <laughs> Right. This was two thousand twelve and people were like, What the hell? Like print so not long after that he did a follow up interview and apologized and said, I was extremely misquoted. He said something like that, like, I was extremely misquoted and I would never suggest blah blah blah. But I mean of course when it came out, the community just tore it apart, as they should. I mean, I'm not gonna when I read that I was like, Why would he say that? That's some stupid like nonsense and I understood as well, again, Prince was a Jehovah's Witness, and he believed that to his heart. But in the beginning, some would probably say it was a bit more extreme. And in a way, it was. And I'm not saying that's a, necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're talking about white people and white supremacy. Like, give me family name all day. Piss them all off. Like, <laughs> avalanche and all of that. Like, I love that. But he was not necessarily always, you know, speaking in a way that may you know, just his opinions over time about the LGBT community. And you just look at the whole conversation that is had about canceling. Like one thing that's remained is over time, I would say with Prince is that he, he sort of made clear indirectly. He's never going to directly speak about it unless it's coming from a dogmatic sense, which is what he did earlier with the Wendy situation. But at the end, he seemed to just, he, there were a lot of people around him that were queer, and he couldn't do anything about that. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs>
2: nothing. Janelle Monet, Andy Allo.
1: Yeah, but were, were they out to him?
2: You know, and that's something I don't actually know, but I feel as if... I mean, Janelle Monet sort of seemed to make it obvious from what people say about like being in her circles. Like, she's not necessarily... You know, hot. And that, I don't see why she would hide that in front of him. And with Andy Allo, I believe she did because he wrote a song about it. The Bearded Lady, the bourgeoisie that he did in 2013. Yeah, I mean,
1: never pronounced that right.
2: I know, I never can say it right. Always <laughs> say it so wrong. <laughs> I need to learn. Every time I get to it, I always just say The Bearded Lady. That's what I call it instead because you know, I know it's just a tongue twister for me.
1: So I don't know how we could forget one of the biggest recipients of cancel culture, Janet Jackson.
2: Wow. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. I don't know how we could forget about that, too, because Janet Jackson literally. And I will say to some extent, Whitney Houston. I say that because when people started to make the jokes of her being a crackhead, it became so obsessive to a point where it was like. We just considered her just a crackhead, like oh, Whitney ain't nothing to a crackhead. It became. I'm not sure if that's more bullying than cancel, but to yeah, your point, to I Jan-
1: would say more Jan- bullying because she never got banned from anywhere.
2: Right, it's true, but Janet was totally banned. She was literally ostracized and made the like made the problem much. I mean, Justin Timberlake was the victim, <laughs> and she was the problem. Like she was the she was the one to bring to bring the noise it's like he literally did that and everyone yeah that's actually i would say she she takes the cake for that and it's amazing to see how she's maneuvered that because that was a horrifying and I, and that's one of my first memories because i remember being at my uncle's house and we were all watching the super bowl together as a family and it was a lot of people there watching because he had this huge tv screen he had a nice house too. My my great uncle, my grandfather's brother, and he, we were watching the Super Bowl, and that happened. I was I was young, you know, but I was happy. <laughs> <because> you were. <laughs> yeah. I you because was, oh! <gasps> <gasps> and they like turned the TV off like, oh! you know, because we come from a Christian family. Like seeing yeah. a titty is like seeing, you know, <laughs> the devil's eye or something. I don't know. But it was completely. Yeah that, yeah, that was something.
1: And then you think of, say, uh, Miriam Makeba, Hugh Masekela, like anyone who was banished from their country for making political music. So when I think cancel culture, it's usually in that framework uh, as opposed to a celebrity making a Twitter entry five years ago and people going, oh, they suck! And, and they're still able to make music. They're still able to produce work from people them as opposed to not being able to get any work. Janet Jackson was not able to get sufficient work in her industry. To me, that is real cancel culture. So and again, I'm asking, what is cancel culture to people? So in the context of looking at it positively, when the masses work to make changes or alterations, if you will, to particular types of oppression, you are canceling sense system in some capacity where it's going to affect change for the positive. The other end of cancel culture is uh, a situation like Janet Jackson or again artists in Azania, South Africa, uh, where they were not even allowed to produce music in their homeland. They had to either move to Europe. Uh, the same with a lot of artists in Brazil in the Tropicalia movement. A lot of artists um, were thrown out by the dictatorship, and they had to move other places. Folks like Gilberto Gil. So that is cancel culture in the scheme of things how I see it. But in this day and age, people say, oh, they suck. They made a racist comment or something like that. And go, cool, but that's still my jam. It's like you're not canceling them, man. You're still listening to their music. So oh.
2: Well, a lot of people speak. pretend to cancel because it sounds like they're doing something, but it's really just a way of saying, hey, I am in that group, thank culture too, so I cancel them as well, you know. It's not necessarily coming from a place of real solution. It's just that reactive maze.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's a really good way of putting it, reactive maze. And I think the R. Kelly thing was in most recent times probably the most appropriate response I think canceling R. Kelly is the only thing that I've seen within the past 20 years when people have literally canceled it and people were doing it uh, people were doing it back then too because when they saw him with Aaliyah they, I, I'm creeped out by it I'm never going to listen to his music and I think that's why it worked in this case because people had already been doing it with NWA, with all that stuff. Again it was particular communities that were canceling them, but it wasn't it wasn't all communities. And so now you're seeing many types of communities not support R. Kelly. So this is the end product of years of work of calling out R. Kelly. And yet, as you said, people still do support him, and it's such a minority of people at this point. And I saw some comments from folks who are DJs, they play at weddings, and um, people, people say, yeah, I'm going to do a little experiment, because I used to play Step and the Name of Love, and people were like, that's the jam, and I try to put it on, people like, turn it off. So it really is true that people do not want R. Kelly at their parties or their events anymore and michael jackson people are like that's more jam so michael jackson r kelly is canceled at this point but he's the only person of recent in the social media age that i have seen quote canceled and it's also interesting because uh, one of the founders of youtube said he got together with people and created YouTube because he couldn't find footage of that Super Bowl incident on the internet. So we were like, we want to put it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, hmm, interesting. But yeah, people have always tried to, quote, cancel Michael Jackson. That's nothing new either. Uh, particularly since '93, people... Like, oh, but it wasn't as widespread. There were, again, DJs that were questioning, oh, I don't know, but people wanted it too much. And then 2005, it was an even bigger conversation. Should we cancel him? Uh, people said, nope, we want to do something. <laughs> so then people forgot about it. And now, for some reason, you have these two guys. What is it about these two guys that somehow people believe? Even though there was a story of our visa, there was the story of Chandler. And there were kids at the time. And people still didn't cancel Michael Jackson. Why is it now these two adult men who testified, who gave sworn testimony, or and they didn't do anything? Why does it take a highly stylized movie to believe them now and cancel Michael Jackson? This is what I don't understand.
2: Because it's easy it's easier than reading the transcript It's easier than really being objective about it i mean people don't really take the time to think about anything they rely on their pre-established notions and they don't really take the time to think about it and you know when you add into the fact and someone even predicted this i guess i i sort of saw this too i was like okay when they start Talking about this R. R. Kelly, and I still haven't seen a documentary. I haven't seen either of them. You know, I haven't seen Leave a Neverland. No, I know you've seen that, but I've never seen that or the R. R. Kelly documentary um, because I've researched both of them extensively and I've arrived at my destination. I don't need a sensational, and I know you didn't see it because you saw it because you just, before we're going to talk about it, you know, you needed to have. <laughs> knowledge, but a lot of people are just like, ah, it's bull, blah blah blah. I just tell people, look at the facts, look at the transcripts, do do your research, and then you you come at it how you come at it. And uh with R. Kelly, it was evident to me that he he has he exhibits all of the behavior of a predator. You know, there's really no justifying that and. I just think it's interesting how people pick and choose who they want to cancel because it's not necessarily based off of what a person does, but how people think they should be treated. Like, oh, well, we should just stop listening to them, or we should just not play that. But then in private, they still do. It's just a weird way of pretending to care about something, but just really not.
1: (laughs) I think... the means of canceling Michael Jackson has shifted, though. I think it's beyond, uh, on some levels, beyond him being with boys. Um, mm. R. Kelly, even though he has been with girls, he's still more canceled than Michael. So I find that interesting given the patriarchy that exists in U.S. society and other places across the globe. But Michael Jackson is still accepted. I don't know if that's because he's not physically here. If he was here, it might be different. I don't know. It's also been a long time coming for R. Kelly. That's probably another factor as to why he's canceled. Because both of them had movies. (laughs) And it could also be because R. Kelly also had people in his camp in the movie and they said, yeah, you know, I did protect R. Kelly. So I think there's that is why I think there's a lot of factors. But in terms of the gender dynamics, Michael Jackson, when the news came out, the trials and the cases, it was a lot. Whoa, he's hanging out with his little boys. What's up? But I haven't heard that so much. Yes, you hear it in pockets, but people are not having those conversations so much. I also think, with uh, again, Arviso being a child, Chandler being a child, and I have a tendency to believe a child when they say that, but given the research that I did, it's like, and also with sometimes the parents being on uh, audio, <laughs> giving away that, you know, different situation. So there's a lot of things around it, but you mentioned people not looking at the evidence in terms of, uh, uh, what's-his-face, Chuck and Robson. But again, what happened in 1993, people weren't necessarily looking at the evidence, but he's still was not, quote, canceled. People were just like, what are y'all talking about? Like, what, what's going on? Or 2005, not everybody looked at the transcript, but people still weren't saying cancel Michael Jackson at the rate they are now. So what do you think the difference is? Because people are not looking at any kind of evidence. They're just going on their own perceptions of Michael Jackson still.
2: Absolutely. I mean, this is the whole deal. I think Wade Robson, Dan Reed, James Safechuck, you know, what's going to happen is the future will happen. The future. And somebody's going to crack, And it's going to be this whole thing where it's already a show. Like I can already see the reaction. The media say, oh, just then. Way Robson, blah, 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 Maybe, you know, whatever it is. Wade Robson ain't cracking. He he's. A, he ain't cracking, actually. James, he's a show path he or something. Yeah. he's not cracking. But James Safechuck, I can see him cracking.
1: Yeah, I can.
2: Or I can just see a motive behind Dan Reed cracking. Something personal in his life cracking. <laughs> he got some bones. He hot. You could just see it. face. <laughs> hey, hey, and there's just,
1: there's some skeletons going on
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> The whole pile of them. <laughs>
0: right.
1: But yeah, why why is it that people don't necessarily do research? And the news channels they weren't saying Michael Jackson was innocent. So what do you think is the difference between now and then? Because people are doing research. Um, people are going with their emotions. And- Exceptions.
2: they're going with their emotions there you go the emotions that's the reason that's the currency now
1: but they still th- there still wasn't the rate of people saying cancel michael Jackson back then because it is now
2: yeah you're right well I think people are saying it now because again it's sort of shifted with I do think there's a lot to to look to into there's a lot of reasons why now people are 10 years. Just kind of, I think that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. People looking back into the past a bit and like, oh, wow, this happened ten years ago. And Michael is still this icon. And he was just the perfect extraction from Harvey Weinstein.
0: Oh,
2: boy. Oh, <laughs> <All> great. <laughs> friends, you know. But, I mean, that's what I really think. I mean, when this whole conversation shifted about social justice and looking at the entertainment industry and just all of the nastiness that goes on and you know Bill Cosby he went down Harvey Weinstein just went invisible I don't know I haven't heard anything about him (laughs) like where is he he's not in prison nope (laughs) so like the last thing I heard was he got like water thrown in his face oh really yeah but that was years that was probably two years ago that was not any time recently Hmm. it says that harvey weinstein to appear in court monday on indictment not yet made public and taylor Swift breaks her silence on harvey weinstein and she opens up about her own assault case
1: wait what what did um janelle monet say apparently she had some
2: oh (laughs) now this is what i've seen and if this, is, if this is actually why people are upset with Monet, I mean, I laughed at it. I'm going to be honest with you. I laughed at it. So I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Now, do you first know about the Popeye situation? Uh, so online right now, people... Oh, wow. She deleted it. Huh. Why didn't I... Why didn't I, um, did you um it? Dang. All right. Let's... She essentially, she essentially said... For the Popeyes thing, she was like, "We need to have voting booths outside of the Popeyes to get people to vote." I just remember laughing like I'm laughing now when I read it. It was so funny to me. Oh my god! Delete it. I'm so mad. Why did she delete it? Somebody has to have a screenshot on this. Wait. Somebody has to have a screenshot. Wait, wait. It was so funny.
1: Um, so, what was. Her... So, that's going to help the situation.
2: He was like, we need to have. <laughs> Why can't people laugh those kind of things off? Like, she was obviously wrong in that department, but I'm not. <laughs> She deleted it. Why? Somebody must have a screenshot here. Here it is. Here it is. Thank you, love. Okay, so this is what she wrote. Perhaps we put voting booths at every Popeye's location. While we wait on that sandwich, you can register and vote. Popeye's holla. What? Okay.
1: Okay. Oh. We got to dissect this.
2: Yes, okay, we can do that.
1: Not only is... <laughs> if, if people <laughs> try to cancel Mary J. Blige for doing Dickens, French
0: ladies, French Right.
1: <laughs> she but, did. That, <laughs> <are no> <laughs> she won't
0: cancel
2: That's the first thing. She so, did so, do that. She, oh my God, you're throwing me back. She stereotyped
1: yeah. African people... <laughs> African people love their chicken, so put voting for, How, as they say in the same name, tone deaf could you be? Wow. First thing. Second of all, you already know how I feel. Yeah, I know. Vote, voting, if your only action is voting and advocating for people to vote in order to create change... If you're not doing anything else, no change is gonna happen. That's the second thing. Yeah. Thirdly, is she saying to vote for uh Hillary Clinton? Right. <laughs>
2: what is she saying? What is she saying? I that's what left people so confused. And that's what's so funny. She deleted that. She was like, Oh, I might as well delete it. And wow. she showed it. She deleted that. I'm so glad they mad that they made that uh screenshot because when I saw it I laughed so hard like I just remember laughing so hard because I'm like why would she write that it was just so funny to me so. So this
0: is
1: she she going to say I was drunk when I wrote it and you know people tell the truth when they drunk
2: yeah so she thought you know when has been clear in her approach when it comes to voting and stuff like she ain't like, uh, 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 putting deleted that she's like whoops, don't delete it yeah, I, 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 I suppose I get her point. People are so focused on
1: Popeye's chicken or Jordans or whatever. Put voting books where people are. Right. I, I get it. I get it. it got some racial connotations that are. No, 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 no. Me, that's worse than crispy chicken. Uh, to me, that's worse than that. That's worse. And even people tried to get on Mary J. Blige when she was interviewing Hillary Clinton when she was singing. Oh, yes. She was singing uh, Bruce Springsteen and American Skin. And the thing is, here we go. We cancel culture. People don't do that. People did not know that was a Bruce Springsteen song. Like, How are you it that? Bruce Springsteen asked Bruce Springsteen
2: why he learned. Wow, wait a minute. Now that I was just thinking about this. It's like cracking me up. Authentically, as you can see me, I'm I'm really laughing <laughs> because that was hilarious too when she did. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean. The outfits he had, I remember that became, they had so many, like, gifs with that because her face, she was, oh, what? I love Mary. She, look, I love me some Mary.
1: She looked foolish doing it. And Hillary Clinton was like, yeah, Negro, keep singing to me. Seriously, she, she her face was like, you look like an idiot right now. And Mary J. was <laughs> just like, ah. she's singing her heart out. And she was sincere. And that's why I, I can't that. I don't agree, but I can't get on her. Janelle know, I get on for this because she literally, Mary J. got $2 million for singing crispy Chicken. She wasn't trying to make
2: no political statement. Right. She got $2 million for doing that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't trying to make no political statement. She said, What's in the new
1: chicken, raps? She got her chicken raps? And she went about her business. Janelle Monet. I'm so sorry. This is killing me right took now. The time out oh on, my gosh. On her desktop or her phone or device or tablet or whatever and actually <laughs> that out. And said, Why do y'all put voting boots in front of the chicken shack?
0: Wow. And she that
1: was okay. Oh so I can't gosh. get on no Mary J. Blige singing crispy. Oh <laughs> You know, Mary I <laughs> was <not laughs> trying to make a political statement when she, it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was oh, to make... Oh, my gosh. She was trying uh. to make
1: a balanced political statement thinking,
2: uh.
1: I did it. I did it, just the one. And then she canceled it. She canceled her own statement because <laughs> You <laughs> straight up. <yeah>. Why? <laughs> you, this is truly a laugh attack. This is the, um, the oh. Popeye versus Burger King chicken sandwich thing. That's it.
2: Yeah. So she
1: seriously thought she was making a profound statement, being like, "Y'all Negroes love y'all chicken." How <laughs> could Popeye's waiting two hours in a line? Why would y'all vote in the process? Janelle Monáe, what is wrong with you? I loves you in Moonlight. Right. Come on, girl. Come on. Oh, oh.
2: Come on. What are you doing?
1: So uh, so what have been the responses to that?
2: Well, I was going to read to you one of them that I thought was really funny. This person has a very... How do you say? She's pretty known on Twitter being critical and she just has a lot of that way. she said I love you with all my heart The computer got me through one of the worst depressive episodes of my life but I know you did not come on this app to tweet this knowing damn well what black voters face just in Georgia alone last year when trying to get Stacey Abrams elected black people waiting and vote Black people waiting to vote in long ass lines with no AC in human ass Georgia, broken on manufacturing voting machines, not to mention trying to get off work during a golly hour to vote. And that's before mentioning the gutting of the VRA, shit like gerrymandering or voter ID laws. So please address the structural bullshit that may literally bar people from voting over condescending toward an entire group of people over a sandwich that last time I checked didn't require my ID, birth certificate, or social security number to get. So that that came from Clarcia Kent. I write all day. I might be saying her name wrong. Clarkisha Kent. But um yeah, that's so a lot of people are just saying things like that, like, delete this, why would you write this? Um, you know. But yeah, she deleted that. <laughs> oh, that was just so funny. That was a true these are the moments I live for, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all
0: no said Crispy voting, fresh lettuce, eat cheese, and push the lever. Everybody, while you waiting for your chicken? Go vote.
2: I mean the right.
0: <laughs> 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 Come on, man. Oh, wow? Oh.
1: If y'all gonna get on Mary J. Blige, who he was really sincere. <laughs> she was just like can you stop the, the murder of our people but like, she was sincere and everybody thought that was her just it was Bruce Springsteen who wrote that song in response to amino Diallo being murdered go talk to him about why he wrote it don't get on Mary for that and don't get on her for no crispy chicken I mean it was silly but y'all can't get on Mary for that and Janelle Monique out here talking about y'all love chicken go vote in front of the chicken. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> she, oh, she, she,
2: she really thought she thought she She would. really thought, right. She really thought that would work. I remember being surprised she wrote that. That's what, but I'm still not, I think the reason why I didn't screenshot it, I'm still not over the fact that I didn't screenshot it because that's something I would typically screenshot. But I laughed just as hard as I'm laughing now to hear you <laughs> describe the whole thing when I saw it, and I just wasn't thinking. And then something else happened, but See, wow. this,
1: this was up with the new Negro. What? What? Uh, Pharrell Williams said he's a new Negro. Right. New Negro. That's new Negro. black. New black. Yeah, this was up with these these new black people. I <laughs> <they laughs> have no idea what the rest of us went through. I guess
2: right. They don't. They're so far behind, like they pretend to know. That's what I'm saying about this worship of celebrity. This is another reason why we do this podcast, because we need to not act like these celebrities really have our best interest. I mean, one of the funniest, I mean, it's sort of, I mean, it's comedy. I know Dave Chappelle, he's problematic in many ways. But one thing he said recently in a stand-up comedy special I saw, is when he was explaining how he was in line to vote, and he was in front of all of these white, you know, poor white people, and they were like voting for Trump, and they were very happy about it. And he's like, "Y'all can't understand. He's helping me, you know. Like he's actually doing more for me than he's doing for y'all, because you know he's rich. He's a rich black man. Um, so just understanding the lines of how all of this worked, and for celebrities, even who claim to really, and Janelle Monae, let's just be real, she's done a lot for social. You know, things. She's she's said a lot. She's worked with lawmakers in Georgia. Um, she's been very active on the roll. For I mean, I don't particularly agree in a lot of her political leanings, but uh, I still think she's been very vocal in a political way. And so for her to make this for her to say that, gosh, that's like. You really, you thought you hit the mark on that one, huh? And then the tag Popeyes too is like, you think Popeyes gonna be like, yeah, let's let's do that, <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
2: Wow. So that's what's been going on in 2019. That's what's been happening. Wow. wow. So, so Jay Z
1: saying kneeling is over. Janelle Monet <laughs> right. Roger from Roger Chicken Shack, Kanye West, Make America Great, Malcolm X is right. <laughs> he
2: was well, absolutely Let's great. Can you read that quote again? We'll close it back on that.
1: He takes all of the Negro leaders and invites them for coffee to show that he's all right and those Uncle Toms can't pass up the coffee. They come okay. away from the coffee table telling you and me that this man is all right. He also said, comedians, comics, trumpet players, baseball players, show me in the white community where a comedian is a white leader. Show me in the white community where a singer is a white leader or a dancer or a trumpet player is a white leader. These aren't leaders. These are puppets and clowns that have been set up over the black community by the white community and have been made celebrities. And usually they say exactly what they know the white man wants to hear. So that was... October
0: 11th, 1963. Yes, uh, sir! <laughs> hey! The <laughs>
1: Ballot or the Bullet. Mm. Look at Tom's not passing up the coffee. So, we're seeing a lot <laughs> of that. that. You, know, you, you can call him Uncle Tom, you can call him whatever. You can call him Pet- Petit Bourgeois. You can call him Tone Deaf. Whatever it is, <laughs> cannot pass up the opportunity to get that coffee. <laughs>
2: and you know some of us my god my god oh, so thank you all for listening we appreciate your investment there's much more coming this is just a breakaway to say in the middle of it all we gotta make informed decisions and really just acknowledge people for who they are without having to justify them through some sort of excuse
1: or tone deaf classism.
2: Or, or tone deaf classism.
1: Anything of that nature. <laughs> <clears> throat> Come throat> on. Project. Oh, anyway. Woo. We just spent another two hours on that one. Thank you all so much. Yes. <laughs>